0: We literally are changing lives every single day. And, and some of these students that I talked to this week, I'm like, they would not be traveling if it wasn't for what World Strides was able to do to help them travel. And, and, and hearing and seeing and the excitement, this is why we do what we do, right? This is why we all do what we do.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to World Strides inaugural podcast, Changing Lives Through Education Abroad. I'm your host, Zach McKinnis, Senior Director of Campus Partnerships with WorldStrides. Strides. This podcast will feature conversations with Education Abroad's most interesting thought leaders, as well as discussions on emerging trends, best practices, and innovation happening in our field. We have a terrific first season lined up for our listeners, and I'm thrilled to kick off this series with my colleague, Melissa Chambers, as we talk with our senior leaders, Jennifer Acosta and Jennifer Fisher. We will discuss their time with WorldStrides, their roles as women in leadership positions, and their hopes for higher education in 2023. Thank you for joining us. Affectionately known as the Gens, Jennifer Acosta and Jennifer Fisher lead WorldStrides Higher Education. Jennifer Acosta is our Senior Vice President and General Manager, and General Fisher is our Chief of Sales Officer. With that, let's do some introductions. Jennifer?
2: Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you, Zach and Melissa, for pulling us together. I have been with the organization since 1996. So for 26 years, and I can't think of anywhere I would rather be. I think about that from time to time. Gee, you know, what else could I be doing? And I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I've spent a good chunk of those 26 years leading ISAs, enrollment management team. I've always worked very closely with students as well as their families, advisors, but I've always had students front of mind because I fully believe that the student experience is everything. And if we fail at that, we fail at everything. So I'm really excited. The role I'm in now, it's been about four years since I've been the general manager and we've come together as an organization bringing in teen. Now I have custom program under my wing as well. So I'm working really close with Jennifer Fisher, and I can't think of anybody else I'd rather have right by my side, helping lead
0: our World Strides higher ed division. Thank you so much, Jen. I feel the same way with you. I'm very fortunate. Hello, everybody. My name is Jennifer Fisher, and I am the chief sales officer for World Strides higher ed. I have been with World Strides for almost nine years now. Um, not quite where, where Jenna Costa is, but I'm getting there. So almost nine years. One of the things that I am very fortunate about is my whole career has been spent in higher education. So the first half of, well, more than that, 21 years was spent at the Chronicle of Higher Education, and then you know nine years ago, my path led me here to World Strides. As Jen said, I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world. I love what I do. And I've always been very supportive. And my role has always been, no matter if it's at the Chronicle or here at World Strides, working with our university partners. I love higher ed. That is where I've been you know, raised up to in higher ed. I love that. And being able to change lives here at World Strides and working with our students is, is the best job ever. So thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Wonderful. Um, Well, we will start our conversation today by learning a little bit about Jen and Jen and talking about one of my favorite topics, which is women in leadership. So I'm really thrilled. Um, I'm still fairly new to the organization, about a year and a half, and just feel so fortunate to work for a mission driven company that has two dynamic women directing the strategy and vision of World Strides Higher Ed. So we're going to start with Jenna Costa. Jen, as our general manager, you are leading WorldStrides higher ed, which of course includes ISA, teen, and WorldStreet's custom programs. What are the key areas that you spend your time working on, on a day-to-day basis? Well, it's a little bit of
2: everything. I spend most of my day liaising with the different teams and leaders across the organization, whether it's within our higher ed division or World Strides as a whole. It's important to me that I keep my finger on the pulse. I'm not necessarily in the details of every single thing going on, but I do need to have a pretty robust knowledge of the different areas as everything comes together. And it's important to me to make sure that everybody has what they need to make decisions. We take a tremendous amount of pride in our programs, but let's face it, we all know that things can and will go wrong, right? Flights get canceled, a bus might break down, host university might cancel classes at the last minute, classes that students need in order to stay on their degree path. So we're not able to control everything, but I want to make sure that our teams feel supported and at the end of the day, that they're able to make the decision that's in the best interest of our students. One of our core values here at Worldstride is to do the right thing. And I feel like if you follow that, Everything will fall into place. Um, So I like to constantly remind our team members because I think at the end of the day, it's going to keep our our students happy, the universities that we work with, and ultimately our team members too. You know, they'll be happy knowing that they work for a company that, that has strong values and at the end of the day, worries more about the experience than the bottom line.
3: Thank you for that. And I just speaking informally, I can say that we all feel your passion and your values and how you show up every day. So thank you for that. As you mentioned in your intro, you've had a quite a long career with ISA and now Teen and World Strides over 26 years serving in different roles and to now serving as general manager. As a woman serving as a senior international educator and leader of this division, how have your experiences shaped the kind of leader you are? And perhaps if there was a mentor along the way or some pivotal experience along the way that you might like to share with us, we'd love to hear that.
2: Absolutely. I originally set out to be a high school Spanish teacher. I studied abroad, and it changed my life. I actually did a few different programs, but I was working on my master's at the time, uh, Master's of Arts in Teaching Spanish, and I returned to Spain to do research for my thesis. And I kind of had an epiphany there of, do I have what it takes to be a teacher? Because I have tremendous amount of respect for teachers. And I thought back to my study abroad experience, and I couldn't get really past that. I still to this day think everybody should be able to have that experience because it really, it truly changed me. So it was shortly after I was still working on my master's when I landed at ISA, I I wasn't even looking for a job at the time. I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I crossed paths with somebody who was working here and I made a quick decision and and decided to come on board and it changed everything for me. I was very young at the time. And shortly after I joined, I started in the admissions department, uh, which is now our enrollment management department. I was the department. I was the enrollment management department, which now we have you know well over 30, 35 team members there. And I worked hand in hand with students every minute of every day and their parents and advisors, not as much, but somewhat on advisors. But I always, it sounds corny, but I really always felt like we were helping changing their lives. I already said it, but I can't imagine what else I would rather be doing. So, you know, thinking about our experiences, I'm an independent person by nature, but study abroad really ingrained that in me and that flexibility and just how to, how to pivot and roll with the punches and get through uh, trying times. Right. And uh, we've all seen in the last few years that that's necessary. Right. But I think one of the things that has also kept me really engaged is the bonds that we have with our teammates, our co-workers, you know, within the organization, but also without. One of my favorite parts of, of working here has been that I get to work with my colleagues from other countries. If you know ISA well, you know that we have a, a pretty wide group of team members who've been with us for, for a very long time. And, you know, you form a bond, form a friendship, a bond and a shared goal of wanting not only our students to succeed, but each other to succeed. And I've really been fortunate uh, to be a part of that. But you know, Melissa, you specifically asked about a mentor. The person I consider my my mentor, Mary Dando. She's now retired, but director of University Colorado Boulder, and we worked very closely with Mary. She put a lot of faith in us when she onboarded ISA programs. Um, I don't even know how many years ago, and put a lot of trust in us. And she was a member of our advisory board on the executive committee of our advisory. Board, so I formed a friendship with her. And her her visit, she would come for our board meetings, and she taught me so much. But one of uh, kind of the thing that has always stuck with me, she taught me that you need to find out what motivates your team, and that is going to be different things to different people. And she went into detail and explained to me how you know how she met the needs of each of her team members. And it was, I mean, it was a light bulb moment for me because, you know, I was kind of old school and, you know, okay, you've, you, you've got your way of doing things. And I thought, wow, you know, she's just genius, but really has her finger on the pulse of what her team needs. And I, and that has stayed with me all these years later. So I think I'm very fondly and I I'm grateful to have worked with colleagues, you know, that have been strong women, you know, like you mentioned, but colleagues that have been in our field for so many years, because I, I feel like we all have a shared goal here. Long answer. I know. Sorry about that. But.
3: <laughs> uh, no, that's fantastic. What a great story to share of how one woman showed you the way and, and lifted you up in a way that you're now able and in a position to lift up so many others. So that's that's really remarkable. And thank you for sharing that. Jen Fisher, shifting to you for a moment. So you serve as our chief sales officer here in World Strides Higher Education. Can you share with us a bit about your role and what every day looks like for you? Absolutely. And you know, it is it is
0: interesting because I do recognize. In higher ed, you know, sales is the, the dirty four letter word, right? I get that. I've gotten that for my whole career working in higher ed. But folks, I'm telling you, we are all in sales, right? We are all doing this together. And what sales really means to me, which is why I put it out there, <laughs> you know, that, that is my title. I'm very proud of it. Um, but what that means to me is that we are helping people. We are helping people do their jobs better. We are helping people, you know, travel abroad. We are helping in any way that we can through scholarships or DEI initiatives, whatever that means. And I can't think of a a better job, right? So to me, it's not a dirty four-letter word. Like, I love it. I put it out there and I think it's the best thing. And I don't want people to be scared by it because all it is is helping people. And I think what a great job that I have is being in this role of helping people. Two things, right? Obviously, you all know, I love sales because I love helping people. And I love my job here at World Stride. So two of the best things in the world, like I am the luckiest person in the world. And what this really comes down to is the, the passion for helping our education abroad administrators succeed at what they're trying to do. You know, they are trying to increase mobility rates. We're trying to help students who have never traveled abroad before in order to go abroad, whether it's on a faculty-led program or a semester program or a summer program, you know, helping students and helping administrators do this. That's huge. You know, my hat's off to all the administrators who, who really see the impact every single day. But to be working alongside you and helping you succeed at your job is just the greatest thing for me. And like Jen, I did study abroad, of course, way back then, I'm not going to share my age, but a long time ago, we we didn't call it study abroad. It was I was in high school. And who would have thought, you know, I I was 16. And no one, no one, I don't know, it was not called study abroad. I don't know what it was, honestly. But we have, you know, little, little Jen Fisher, Growing up in a, in a blue collar family in a small town in Pennsylvania, this was just unheard of. And so when my high school opened up these applications that we were going to spend you know six weeks over the summer to London, and that was just, again, this little girl from blue collar Pennsylvania, and I'm like, London, right? Like, wow, I can only read about these things. And so I said, I am going to go and I like got all my stuff and I signed up and and we were going to stay in homestays. It was was going to be, you know, amazing. And like a lot of our students that we work with, I worked hard, my family worked, we were not able to come up with the money to go on this program. So I was very disappointed. And we just, we just weren't able to do So I missed out on that program. And I spent the whole next year, you know, really like saving all my babysitting money. I was, you know, I started because by the time I went, I was actually 16, but this was even 15. And I, you know, I started when I turned 16, I started waitressing and anything I could do, I saved my money. So the following year, thinking that they would offer this program again in London, they turned around and they offered the same program in Germany. I was like, well, I don't speak German, right? Like I don't I don't do anything. And I was so disappointed, but I thought, you know what? Who cares? I'm going anyways. I'm like, I work so hard to save my money. And of course, you know, my family's like, what are you doing? They're like, are you sure you want to do this? Oh, I'm going. I'm going. That's indeed. I'm going. And I'm sure enough, I, I went and I still remember telling people I'm going and they're like, Oh, you know, what year are you in in German? I'm like, I don't speak. I actually took Spanish. Like, I don't know anything about German and people are like, you, are crazy. But I went and I went for six weeks. I lived in a homestay. I knew nothing. The girl that was part of the, the homestay, she spoke English, but her mother and her brother, we lived in an apartment, did not speak English. I didn't speak German. And you know what I learned? Everyone smiles in the same language. And it's true. And I say that all the time, right? And being able to go around Germany, spending the six weeks there, we went to school there. And of course, all I, all I could take was English because I didn't know German. But I went to my English class every day. And you know, it was phenomenal. And it was quite an experience. But you know what? Way back then, I didn't know there was a job for this that you could like actually have a job in doing this. right? But of course I came back, you know, and, and I was a changed person and I'd like to think I was like this woman of the world now, you know, and I came back and, and, you know, and I, I got into to work and my career and, and then nine years ago, when I found myself lucky enough to come to World Strides, I was like, oh my gosh, there's like jobs for this? Like people actually do this for a living? Like this is the best job in the world. And that is why like I am so passionate about what we do. We are changing lives, just like that little little Jen Fisher from from Pennsylvania, right? We're changing lives. And, and that's what sales is to me. And that is what I do. I know to like you that's a long, long answer. But day to day, we work with our university partners, you know, working with our ISA uh, team and our custom programs team members, going on campuses, working with our partners, at abroad administrators. Like this is what we're trying to do. Anything we can do to help and support you so we can see more students study abroad is our goal. So I love that.
3: That's fantastic. Uh, Jen, and thank you for sharing about your journey. It's just neat to hear how both of you had these life changing moments when you studied abroad, which of course this year is World Strides' 55th anniversary, and we are celebrating with life changing moments. And clearly, the two of you have had those, which led you to be to be here with us today, which is phenomenal. And I think many of us in international ed have these stories. And you know, as women in international ad, of course, this field has a high number of women working as practitioners in this field. But there are fewer women uh, sitting in leadership roles as the two of you are. So I'm going to give this question to Jen Fisher. What are some of the strategies you think our field could use to address this disproportionate, not as many women sitting in leadership? And what are some of the strategies that you are using to change this?
0: Definitely something I think that we all, as women, we all think about a lot every day and, and what we can do. And one of the things that I would say is for, especially for all the women out there, is that you can do anything, right? You can do it. Don't sit back and think, oh, you know, I don't know if I can. Yes, go for it. I always like to tell my team members, if there is anything that makes you feel like nervous, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. I'm, oh, I don't know. I'm really nervous. Should I do this? that's your green light to go do it. Like that is actually saying, go and do it. But I think in order for us to feel that way, that we can go and accomplish anything, it's important to have mentors. It's important to have people that will help get us there because nobody gets to where they are by themselves. Like nobody, we're all you know standing at each other's shoulders to get to the next place. And that's, A, that's what I love absolutely about the field of international education, the support that we have there. Um, one of the things I truly believe in is in developing our next leaders coming up. I'm very passionate about that. I actually mentor um, a few young women right now, and I'm always happy to mentor other people. Like I really feel it is my duty to give back and to help help young women come up through and what I can do to help mentor. Just recently, in the last couple of weeks, I've actually developed and led a leadership workshop training, or facilitated a leadership training, and I, I had a couple of different ones. That the first one was really centered around young, early career managers or uh, new managers, and really focused on some skill sets and technical things as well as leadership. Capabilities and things that really help them grow in their leadership roles. We're we're going through. We're having a couple follow up sessions. I did another leader leadership workshop for some of our tenured managers. Really thinking back that again, everything has changed. You know, since so and so getting back to normal with COVID, and again being all remote, it's their different skill sets in leading and collaborating. So it was something that I felt strongly about that I wanted to pull people together. So that's something that I I feel strongly and I want to help support. A few other ways is I recently joined the advisory board at University of Richmond's executive and education program for women in leadership. So that way I could help be on the board, help inform on the curriculum, and even have like a guest spot like on some faculty sessions as well. But just some ways that I feel very strongly to really help support uh, women in leadership, because at the end of the day, you know, women are changing leadership and we need everybody and, and even the allies, even the men out there and supporting the women. This is what it's all about. And that's what I love about this field, that we do all come together and really work to support each other.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Jen. I know a lot of us here on the team have re- enjoyed your, your workshops. What I've learned is that when Jennifer Fisher recommends a book to you guys, that's a must read. I'm gonna throw this one to you, Jennifer Acosta. Could you take a moment to share the differences between World Strides, ISA teen and custom programs? How do they all fit together? And what should an advisor know?
2: That's a really good question because I know it leaves a lot of people confused. It's like, well, wait a minute, there's there's all these different names. So World Strides is our parent company, and World Strides has educational travel programs across nearly All different levels that you can think of. But World Strides originated, oh, I should know this, I want to say 1968, I could be a year or two off, by a middle school teacher taking his students to Washington, D.C., and I'm actually gonna circle back to that in a in a minute because I, I have a, a story about that. A lot of programs, domestic programs for middle school students to DC, to New York, to Florida, uh, all over the country. And and that grew leaps and bounds from there to include high school programs, international programs. Okay, so then where, where do teen and ISA fit into this? ISA joined World Strides in 2015 and our reach programs that we offer Europe, Asia, the Pacific, Latin America, Africa. Then Teen joins World Strides in 2018, offering programs in the Asia Pacific region. So we found ourselves both offering a bit of the same thing. We both offered Asia Pacific. So what we did, we actually had the goal of doing this earlier, but we accomplished it over our COVID, I'll call it our quiet time, right? Nothing was quiet during COVID. But we decided to go ahead and sunset the ISA Asia Pacific programs and only feature them through TEEN because you had, you had the two of us doing the same thing. So now um, we really come together as an organization. Internally, we very much operate as One team and with teen focusing the Asia Pacific. So it's just really geographically dispersed Asia Pacific region. ISA has Europe, Africa and Latin America, uh, but all offering higher ed programs. Then, where does World Strides custom programs come in? World Strides custom programs already existed at World Strides, but then ISA and Teen both also offered custom programs. Everything is run through World Strides custom programs, but we've also worked together to, to build in really the the best of all three worlds. So whereas our custom programs cover the faculty-led programming, um, ISA and TEEN are the programs that are individually enrolled, if that makes sense.
1: Awesome. Yeah, thank you, Jen, for that. That makes sense to me. Now we're going to shift a little bit and talk about the state of the fields of education abroad and the, the perspectives that the two of you have on, on a few trends what we all as practitioners have learned the past couple of years is that we're working with a new generation of students. You know, compared to the millennials of a decade ago, they had different motivations, desires, and needs. And one of the things that we've found is that sustainability and climate are hot topics for many of our students, especially when it comes to traveling. And so for you, Jennifer Fisher, what are some of the ways students can learn more about current environmental issues and help offset their environmental impact when it comes to traveling and setting props? I'm
0: so glad you asked that question. It is something I feel very strongly about as well. So I'm so glad that we're able to put some initiatives in place. The first initiative that we do have is what we call the Fill It Forward initiative. It's a great initiative. And basically, anyone who travels on our programs, you're going to get this little sticker, the Fill It Forward sticker, and it goes onto your water bottle. And it's a scannable code. And everybody gets to scan it. Every time you refill your water bottle, you get to scan it. And you'll be able to track how many water bottles you're saving, right? And how much water you're using by filling up your water bottle. But then there's also some other neat trends that you can see throughout the world, what is happening and who else is filling it forward on their water and what they're doing throughout. And many, many businesses are doing this. And it was something that we adopted and we have rolled out, I guess over a year now we've been doing it, which is just phenomenal. And for every time that somebody scans their water bottle code with our World Strides label, um, World Strides will donate to an organization through Philip Forward. And uh, we follow the Fill It Forward guidelines. Um, so that is something that has been huge. And again, every participant gets that sticker and uh, absolutely love it. So that's one of the big things that that we rolled out. The next is a choose earth initiative. And I will tell you, this is phenomenal. And it came from teens. So, of course, as we all come together, we're using best practices for from all of our divisions. And this choose earth initiative is really about, you know, the sustainability and helping the earth and really, you know, again, paying it forward. And one of the great things on this choose earth initiative is it can be used whether you're doing an individual program, which is like a semester program, or you're on a group faculty-led program. And so there are certain components on an individual that you'll have to do like throughout the semester, some projects, you know, some service learning, things like that. And then you'll be able to get a micro-credential at the end of it, that you can use to post on your social media account saying that you have been able to choose Earth and here's this great micro-credential. We have recently rolled it out on our custom programs, which is absolutely phenomenal. I've got mine. I did mine on an India program recently and I have it posted on my social media account. And and through the faculty-led programs, we're able to use the components of things that we do on the program that align with the Choose Earth curriculum. And so there could be projects or components within the program. And you don't have to redo the whole program. In a lot of cases, a lot of the faculty led already have this already in. And what I love too is the Choose Earth credential. Right now it's it's value added for you because Strides so believes in this micro-credentialing that we wanna get it into the hands of all of our students. So there's no extra cost. And, and it's just something that in some cases, you're already doing this. And, um, and at the end of the program, you will then be able to get the micro-credentials and put it onto your social media networks as well. So those are, those are a few things. And then even on our custom program side, with our long-haul air, we actually partner with a carbon fund. Order to give back with the emissions that we use, and students can sign up when they register for our faculty-led programs, so that so much you know of the carbon fund that we we donate to the carbon fund initiative will go back to actually help eliminate emissions. So these are just a few ways that World Strides is focusing on on these these issues.
3: That's great, Jen. Thank you so much for that. One of the things that I think is really special and unique about World Strides as a company is how sustainability for us and DEI are very closely linked together and sustainability as a form of social justice and very connected with the work we do for DEI. So for our next two questions, I have one for each of you. I'd like to talk a little bit about affordability and access and our framework for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I'd like to start with Jen Acosta. So one thing that comes up pretty frequently is affordability and access for students in international ed. What can you share with us about some of the tools that we have to help make our programs more accessible to students?
2: You know, affordability it gets me every time right affordability it means different things to different people so what's affordable to you might not be affordable to me and that that's something that i feel like we 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 have to acknowledge and even if you're on the same playing field it's still it depends on how much you value a particular experience let's say one of the things we've been focused on uh, for many many years here is increasing accessibility and what that means right because not everybody whether it's whether it's finances it could be it could be time not everybody can take off for a semester can take off for four or five weeks in the summer maybe you only have two weeks because you have other responsibilities so it kind of takes us back to different programming models. It could mean programming models that are not for credit so that they're more affordable, but they're shorter so they're more affordable. They're in parts of the of the world that maybe it, it doesn't cost as much to get a, a plane ticket. We've worked, oh, I can't even put a time frame on it. I mean I, I feel like for you know always in making sure that there's different opportunities for students. So Back to affordability, right? Um, Scholarships, um, we continue to refine our scholarship program year after year. We're always making tweaks and we've continued to increase funding in particularly for our diversity scholarship but one of the things i've been really excited about is last year we decided to join fea the fund for education abroad as an access partner yes we have our own programs but they've they've got a far reach they are really committed to increasing the number of underrepresented students studying abroad. And they've got a further reach than we do because students can apply for their programs even if they're not going on one of our programs as an access partner that means that there's specific funds set aside for students that have applied to our programs but then they also have a fund for students that are going on any program so i think that's really great they've grown leaps and bounds and it's just a it's a wonderful organization in addition to our scholarships, we also have our new passport grant on the custom program side, which is really just started last year. I want to say, and that's a great one, if a partner runs three or more faculty-led programs in an academic year, they earn a grant towards a passport. So currently uh, $165 to use for each student towards future programming. So it just kind of takes us back, you know, we, we've we seen uh, a definite increase in faculty-led programs, uh, because I just think that that goes to show you that, you know, students, they, they might only have a week or 10 days to go abroad. So they're being really sound in, in the decisions that they're making. Uh, they have to stay on their degree path. That's one thing that is, you know, it, it's fantastic, but that's really changed, you know, with, with the recent generation when, Back when I studied abroad or even, you know, far after that, students were willing to get off track and go have the experience. Um, Nowadays, yeah, they want the experience, but they have to stay on track. It's just too expensive. Uh, They can't risk having to add another semester to their path. We try to just work very closely with them on that.
3: Absolutely. So proud that we've given away, I believe, I just looked up the stat, $60,000, I believe, for the spring semester in our scholarship
2: across ISA and team programs. That's right.
3: Yeah, which is really exciting. Shifting to Jen Fisher, Jen, you serve as the executive sponsor for the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. So for folks who don't know, the DEI committee is a group of over 20 individuals across World Strides Higher Ed who serve as leaders for our individual teams, on strategy and outreach for diversity, equity, and inclusion for our engagements with students, for our engagements with advisors, and for each other. Uh, so, Jen, as our executive sponsor, Jen Fisher, how does the framework of DEI and the work of the DEI committee inform the vision of World Trade's higher ed? One of the things
0: you know that I think is really interesting is that I recognize. I recognize that there's a lot of buzzwords out there, right? Everyone can talk to DEI. Everyone can talk about what, you know, Oh, throwing the words out of DEI. And it was just something that was very important to me that we are actually making an impact. and, And what does DEI actually mean for us? And how are we going to affect change and make an impact? And I question like anyone who comes to me internally and they'll say, well, you know, we'll do this. What's the impact? Right. Cause it's so important that we do make effective changes. And so one of the things I fully believe in is that it really, it really starts here at home. And, and by that, I mean here at World Strides. And what I love about World Strides is they, they are taking this so seriously. Like they are living, like we all live and breathe this here at World Strides. And it starts with our team members. It starts with hiring diverse team members, making them feel included, making everything accessible so our our team members can work, you know, wherever they are with whatever um, limitations or handicaps there are. Like this is what we do. And it starts here. And it also starts with helping people feel empowered, giving people the training that they need to go out into the world and make some changes. And that is something that is just really important to me. And, and building those diverse teams, as we all know, is going to help you get you know diverse ideas. And companies are much more successful when you have diverse leadership teams, diverse teams in general. And this is what we want to do and what that looks like. And what I love what our higher ed DEI team does is they take these core values of what World Strides does and they work to affect those changes out in the field. One example just recently is our higher ed team um, on DEI. They actually led an amazing workshop and they're putting together groups that internally our team members can sign up for. And so the workshop was really all about the DEI what our initiatives are, and how we can affect some changes out in the field. But now it's going to be broken up into groups, and our team members are joining each of these groups to really learn and focus in on ways that we can go and affect those changes out in the field. And it's just so proud to be part of this. I mean, this is, I feel, groundbreaking. Again, I feel like there's so many people that can say certain things. But to actually do what we're doing is, is just incredible and, and a huge, huge hats off to our DEI team. And when we talk about accessibility, I'm on the DEI email chain that comes by and even just, I think, yesterday or Wednesday, you know, there were some emails that were coming by, you know, for some students who are getting ready to study abroad and they have a service animal. And, you know, can, you know, how does a service animal fit in? That's the only way they're going to be able to study abroad. And what is what we got answers, right? And so our team's actually working with students. You know, we've done this before. We can go and make this happen. We work with our ground teams. It's just incredible, the the work that we are doing. and, And it's, it means a lot.
3: Thank you, Jen. So Zach and I, of course, both serve on the leadership core of the higher ed DEI committee. And I can say that having one of the leaders of higher ed. Serve as our executive sponsor, I think gives us even more empowerment to do some really cool things um, internally and externally. Thank you for that support in all of us on our learning journeys, as it is a journey.
1: One more question, and I'll start with you, Jenna Costa. As we think about 2023 and beyond, what is one thing that makes you hopeful? For
2: 2023, I, you know, there, there's a lot. One, I've been so excited that. People are not only back traveling; they are back in full force. You know, we've seen complete collapses of our airline industry, right? Major housing shortages that we're seeing, you know, all over the globe. But it means that the pandemic didn't stop stop people. It just, if anything, I think it made them want to get out even more. So I'm really excited about that. I'm also really excited about different modalities of programming. We have a A whole department dedicated to innovation. They work on innovation in all sorts of ways, but you know, the 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 part that I'm looking at is is programming, you know, some out-of-the-box. Programs, really, with the intent to reach more students—not just your typical, you know, sophomores and juniors in, in college. You know, when it comes to higher ed, we've got some cool programs. You know, one in particular is our Fiji Scholar Games program. It's a really cool program. It lives right now on the teen site because it is based in Fiji, but it's a it's a two week program where students come together um, in teams and they participate in academic and mental challenges. Um, so they take they take courses in the morning uh, and compete in these challenges in the afternoon. And they're actually competing for a prize. Uh, there's a, a monetary prize, but it's also an academic program. They're going to earn or have the potential to earn three, three semester hours. And I think it's really exciting. And I think that that, program is going to attract just a, a non-traditional type student. Um, so I'm really excited about that and, and to see kind of what that opens up.
1: Excellent. Thank you. We're so excited for the Scholar Games. Ms. Fisher, same question to you. What are you hopeful about?
0: You know, it really is that the students, you know, the, their passion, their their love for travel and trying to get out there and see the world. And I just, I love it. You know, I had the good fortune this week, we had announced the the scholarship winners, we had our diversity scholarship and our higher education scholarship. And I had the great honor of reaching out and letting the students know that they won these scholarships. And the responses that I got back from these students, you know, I mean, they were saying in all caps, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is life changing. Because of what World Strides is doing, I am now able to do this travel, something that I had only dreamed about. It's heartwarming. And, and to think that we're part of that and we are, we literally are changing lives every single day. And, and some of these students that I talked to this week, I'm like, they would not be traveling if it wasn't for what World Strides was able to do to help them travel and, and, and hearing and seeing and the excitement I mean, this is why we do what we do, right? This is why we all do what we do. And and that just, that says it right there. And I am just so freaking excited for 2023.
1: Well, I can't imagine a better place to end it than right there. Thank you so much for listening to Changing Lives Through Education Abroad. I'm your host, Zach McInnes. And make sure to join us next week for episode two, as we continue to explore topics around international education. Please subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. Let's create life-changing moments together.